You are listening to Read It, Roll It, Hole It. He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Welcome, golfers, to the next episode of the Read It, Roll It, Hole It podcast. Today, we have got a special guest on the show, Trillium Rose. Trillium is a wonderful mind. Um, She's done exceptionally well for herself over in the States. Really, really has done well. Before I go on to Trillium, I would just like to share with you um, to say Happy New Year. Hope you've all had a good Christmas and New Year. Thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast. It really, uh, your feedback really keeps me going and keeps me enthused to get more and more um, information from guests out there. So uh, long may that continue. We've got a great list of um, guests coming on to the show this month. We've got Trillium today. We've got Preston Coombs coming. Now that guy is a cool cat on the putting green. Do not miss that episode. After that, we've got Stephen Giuliano, another cool cat from, um, he's from Melbourne, but he now lives out in uh, out in Asia. Really, really good. Knows his stuff. Done a lot of online coaching. And then Dan Caraha, also exactly the same. Very, very good mind. Great guy. Good insights into tour life. And then followed that with Hugh Marr, who, again, is a tour coach, some super nuggets and a wonderful mind. So without any further delay, here are the great guests coming up. Trillium Rose, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Tom here from Warwick House Golf, proud sponsors of the Read It, Roll It, Hold It podcast. Use code RRH10. 10% 10% off at warwickhouse.golf. Welcome, golfers, to the next episode of the Read It, Roll It, Hole It podcast. Today, we have got another American friend on the call, Trillium Rose. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. I'm excited to uh, to have a good conversation with you and, and um, get to know some of your audience members, hopefully. Absolutely, yeah. Really looking forward to uh, to getting to know you. You are you've just been voted in the top fifty best teachers in America. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's a big honor, and I was um, excited, very surprised to to get that news. But it feels pretty good. There's six six women, six of us. Brilliant. Oh, that's um that's a great achievement. You know, it's a big old place, America, USA. Uh, it, so, it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It is. And I think, you know, I think there are a lot of people that aren't, that were not on it that are really deserving. So I don't want to, I don't want to give the impression that the top 50 are the only best 50. Um, but I do think the 50 that are on it have tended to be pretty vocal and visible and, um, and out there on um, kind of on the social channels and on the, the, the conference and summit circuit. So again, not to say that if they're not, not good, but I think we're different. We're in a different age than we were ten years ago or fifteen years ago. Where if you were if you were good and you were, you know, on your lesson T or or coaching, you, you no one really saw that. But now you can really put all that out there. I mean, here we are having a conversation, and I'm gonna maybe talk about a lot of stuff, and that's one one other dimension, you know, podcasting that now people can access, um, ways to get better golf. So, I mean, I think it's, we're in a, we're in a really cool time. Absolutely. I think one thing that's really cool to share with the listeners is how today's, um, today's call has started before we press record. And 
how you started teaching me to get the camera in the right place. So I've got some nice flowers because the camera angle wasn't quite right. And, uh, you know, you've been giving me social media advice already. So I'm loving it. (laughs) I was just thinking as we're talking, I should be doing Instagram live right now so that it can be live on Instagram. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Press go. Okay. Let me, um, I, I wonder if any, well, you're not live right now, but this will be available on Instagram at some point. Are you on? Okay. Hey, everybody. So I'm just starting a podcast on Ollie. What's the name of your podcast? See it, roll it, hold it. Close. Yeah, it's the Read It, Roll It, Hold It podcast. Read It, Roll It, Hold It podcast. I'm alive on a podcast, so I'm just going to roll Instagram. You guys want to hang out and um, and watch, you can. So, Trillium, let's start. I want to know more about you. Tell me your story, your journey, where uh, where have you come from and where are you going? I, well, I feel like most people that play golf or even are in the golf profession, I started young and I had a family member teach me, in my case, which my, was my dad. And I didn't think I'd be a golf pro. I honestly just liked it. I played in tournaments when I was little. And it wasn't until after, after college, I decided to get a little more serious about it. Um, and then that's when I kind of fell backwards into the, into the, to the role of a professional coach. Um, you know, I loved sports growing up and I played a lot of sports. I played high school lacrosse because there wasn't a golf team. I loved it so much. I ended up playing in college. I played on the U.S. All-Star Lacrosse team, and I played on Southern California's National Lacrosse team um, all four years. And I, I don't know. I just love points. I love points, and I love goals, and I love um, moving. So, and I played ice hockey. So, you know, it's something that, like most people, I just love. I love. I love competition, and I think I do much better with competition. And um, like, I love the feeling of pressure. So after college, um, there was kind of a crossroads for me, a personal crossroads. And I was, um, I was on the track to, to being a producer, if we're going to be really honest, like it was not in sports at all. It was in the movie business. And um, I kind of went to college in, in Los Angeles. And I thought that was my track. I was living in New York City. I was, I was working um, a few different jobs, that, including Saturday Night Live. And um, went home, played golf. My dad had just had a stroke. Um, I went home for a wedding and the, and the head pro at the course where I grew up was like, Hey, Trill, why don't you be my assistant? My assistant just left. And I thought, um, what do you mean your assistant in golf? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. And he said, um, yeah, yeah, you can just, whatever. I'll just show up. So that's how I got started. And, and it turns out I really loved I loved it. I learned how to, I learned how to teach. And then, you know, the winter came, I said, what do golf pros do in the winter? And he said, they go to Florida. I thought, okay, can you help me figure that out? So I got a job in Florida and that's how it started. I kind of figured out who I wanted to work for and what I wanted to learn and what I needed to do, where my blind spots were. And, um, and that kind of took off and it took off fast and furiously. Um, And then that was like 10 years of just straight, working for different, different people, North, South, North, South, I, you know, I went to New York and then Florida, New York and Florida. Um, Jim McLean was in there. I worked for him for, for five years. And then um, after kind of 10 hardcore sprint years, I decided to go back to grad school and got a master's degree in motor learning. And that was like a real pivotal point for me because it changed a lot of um, kind of like my concepts of how people get better. 
Um, and then that, I think of it as like pre and then post master's degree. Um, and then since then, that's been almost 10 years ago. Um, so now I'm, I mean, I'm really a full-time coach now uh, at one place and, and doing other stuff. So what, is that a good answer? I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, really good. Thank you. So a couple of points of uh, things that just sort of popped in my head from what you've just said. First thing was that you said you love pressure. Can you expand, expand on that for us? I, I do love pressure. I like pressure, um, especially in sports, because there's not usually a, you know, no one's going to die if it doesn't work out. Um, yeah, but okay. I, I probably like pressure also. And then when I'm driving, I even like to drive fast. Um, yeah. I, it's hard for me to explain why I like pressure. I, I just do. I, I feel like if somebody, like I've always been this way, if somebody's running near me, um, on a treadmill, I tend to like that because I have someone to compete with. Um, mm. I used to run half marathons and I would sign up in like the slow heat so I could then pass people. <laughs> it like is it. disrespect. I'm not trying to disrespect anyone who's slow. It's just, I kind of like the, I like the feeling of beating, beating people. I don't know. I don't know. I also like the challenge of it. So I think that's been really helpful to my own mental game because I think if I hit a bad shot, the next shot, is that much more important and that much more exciting, especially if I'm in a crappy lie. Like my oh. thought is, okay, that sucked that now I'm like in the weeds on the left, but what can I do next? Let's see what happens next. And that's, I like it jazzed off that. You're just competitive as hell is what you're saying. Mm. You're just competitive. I love it. Jim McLean, like legend in our industry. What were the biggest things you learned from him over the years? Jim McLean was such a big influence for me in the in the beginning when I when I started teaching. I really didn't have any experience as a teacher, and I had nothing to go off of other than what I knew how to do and what I what I knew as an athlete. Um, and that does doesn't cut it as a coach. You can't teach people what you do. You can't expect that to work because everybody's so different and everybody's got such different. I mean. I, obviously people are different, right? And especially as a resident coach of a, of a golf club, you, you know, you're going to get someone who's eight, you get someone who's 98, you're going to get someone who's been playing for 20 years, someone who's playing for zero. So you have to be able to adapt and manage and make that work for everybody. So anyway, Jim McLean was, was brilliant in his, in his thought, pro he still is in his thought process that, hey, let's not teach one way, obviously, but we need to have some kind of method and like an order or a system to how we're going to get this going. Um, in other words, you've got 20 people on staff and we have people coming for golf schools. How are you going to, how are you going to coach everybody? So all the coaches are on the same page, but you're not locking them into one swing. Well, he started by looking at what the best, what the best players in the world are doing and then making some comparisons and contracts. Like what does every single player do on tour? What do they all do? And there are a lot of things that they do differently. So if, so if they're, if the face is, face is looking like this, if the wrist is angled here or this, like maybe there's not one way where your wrist needs to be at the top. If someone's across the line, someone's laid off. But functionally, if someone's really across the line and they've been across the line for a long time, then what happens? And then how do you manage that? So I think the training from Jim McLean was really to think critically, look critically at what they're doing, figure out what 
what you know those fundamentals are like hitting the center of the face is a fundamental you know you know the backswing arc is wider than the downswing arc you know there's is a little lateral motion you know the sequencing of the body segments you know so you combine the biomechanics with physics with then some evidence of what players are doing and you, you kind of come up with a pretty good sense of 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 where you might want to work with somebody brilliant and then how did the motor learning degree evolve your coaching from what you sort of what you knew at the time to, to today? Well, I think at the, when I went back for a, a, a master's degree in motor learning, the, the, the reason was I had I had so much heavy, heavy, heavy at that point background in the mechanics and the biomechanics and, and, the, and, the, and the like what to do in a swing that how to do it needed a little bit more education and I just had some questions that I really needed answering. So how, how do you take knowing what you want to do and then turn it into a, a productive practice session? Um, is it better to do things in real slow motion and get it right? Or is it better to do it quickly? So you get the feeling of, of the, the, you know, the pressure and the timing. Um, is it better to break it into segments or is it better to do it in a big chunk? Is it better to practice hardcore for three straight hours or is it better to do like intermittent bursts of, of, of 30 minutes and wait an hour? And so I knew that there was a ton of scientific research on this, like peer reviewed um, research in skill acquisition. And, and it, and it was, it was like neuroscience, neuroscience, neuro, neurophysiology, really, if we're going to um, call it the right thing. And then psychology in the seventies, they were a lot, they were, they were kind of doing a lot of work and starting to ask the same questions. And so when the neurophysiology and, um, and psychology started to overlap, someone had a bright idea to just call it motor learning. So that's the advent of, of the kind of the discipline of that. Um, I mean, it was a lot more than I needed to be honest as a golf coach. It was like, I don't know what, what's that, was that concept killing a fly with like a missile? It was it sort of felt like that. Okay. Um, but I think I, I mean, I, I answered a lot of questions I had and I had so much practical experience that I was, I felt like I was working upstream. Like I had a lot of experience and I had a lot of theories, but I wasn't sure what, so it's kind of going backwards, going from practical application to the lab where most people would go from the lab to practical application. So I, I was kind of um, doing it the opposite way, but um, it was fun. And I still feel like I have a lot to say and a lot to, to offer on that. Yeah, that's good. And a lot to learn, I guess. And a lot to learn. I always have a lot to learn. Everyone, I think, should feel yeah, that. Don't we all? Yeah. The, um, so on the learning a new skill, doing it slowly or doing it fast, what, what, which one is right? Well, I, oh, so, um, when you're learning a new skill for the very first time, I guess it depends. We should say, we should start with what what the skill is and how complex it is and how hard it is to to manage the new movement because there are a whole bunch of factors that go into it, factors and variables. But generally speaking, if you if you can do a motion slowly, you can then put the motion into place in the timing that you want. So slowly is good. And chunking it is good. In other words, taking just a piece and getting that right. So for example, if you're having trouble staying steady with your lower body and you're making putting strokes, eliminate something that's 
complicating it, like the putter or maybe the ball and make the motion without moving the putter at all. Like you see what I'm saying? So sure. you, you'd want to back into something so that it's as simple as possible. And then you can add complexity and complexity also means maybe speed. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's, um, that's good. Okay. So let's, um, let's talk about um, COVID. We're in a time of the last 18 months of a two years of a sort of bit of a crazy world. And we've been in and out of work, if you like, from doing perhaps online to face to face. What I want to know is what's the biggest things that you've learned from you as a, a, an individual and as a coach over that period? Over the period of the lockdown, what have I learned? Is that really, is that the topic? That's the topic. What have you yeah. learned? What's what have you learned about yourself that you can apply to your coaching to get better or to feel students so to get better? The lockdown for me was actually a you know, and taking the 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 horrors of the situation and the out of it and, and just answering from a personal standpoint, um, and a, a, I should say a personal professional standpoint, the lockdown um it kind of like the treadmill stopped for me. So I was, I was able to kind of hit reset and think about how I could, how I could do better just in general and what I might want to be doing um, with, with my time and expertise. And I had spent a lot of I spent a lot of work working with other coaches um, in seminars and conferences. And I, I was on the PGA. Um, I chaired the player development committee and we did a ton of stuff for, for our, for our industry and other PGA professionals. Um, and I was on a committee for LPGA and I was doing things that I think are really important, but I hadn't done very much that was outward facing for the, the average golfer. Um, I've been doing a little Instagram um, and that definitely takes time. So I decided, I thought, let me try to do something like a curriculum for the first called the first step, which was a series of videos that are um, less than 10 minutes each, but essentially geared towards somebody that might want to start playing golf for the first time, but didn't have, uh, didn't have any reference points or anybody who could help them get going. Like I had my dad or most people had somebody or a spouse so I thought, you know, I have a lot of beginners that come to me and, and I'm, I'm expensive by the hour, but what if they could show up and they had, they had something ready and I, I'm not the first person ever to do this. I know, you know, me and my golf, I, and I love those guys. They've got, they've got great programs and Eric Cor Corgono, he's got good, pro there's a lot of programs that are out there. I just decided to do one little capsule and see it. And I thought, um, you know what? there could be more of this. So that, so that was one answer. That was one actual physical thing. Um, the other thing I think was how much people really, um, need to be outside and, and be challenged and do something that's outside of their lane. Um, and golf is an unbelievable outlet for that. I think a very healthy outlet, uh, especially if you're walking or if you're carrying bag or if you're, if you're doing a push cart, learning something new at an older age is hard, but that challenge for your brain is something that should not be under, under, um, estimated. You've got, you, you, you've got new neurons 
all the time forming in your brain and it's use it or lose it. And the more you can be challenged and solve problems and, and put things together that are hard and stick in a hard place and move through it, that's great for your brain, especially when it's an exercise involved action. So th those are kind of my two big things. Nice. That's good. And did you get a lot of chance to play with your daughter? Oh yeah. It was great family time. That, oh, that yeah. of course, personally, personally was really great. I absolutely loved the lockdown. No, like you were sort of hesitating to say that earlier, maybe, or something similar, because I think you think you probably shouldn't say, but yeah, spending that quality time with the family and the kids were awesome. What, how, how old's your daughter? Yeah, um, our daughter's four. When, what, what, what month? My daughter's four. August, in August, mid August. August, there we go, Esme's July, so they're the same age, my brother. Yeah, same age. It's what were you doing fun. in lockdown with her? What kind of uh, activities? You know, lots, of, I mean, lots of stuff. She's writing now. So we, we're doing a lot of, um, lot of writing and reading. She reads tons of books. We do mm. lots of things that require um, lots of concentration. And I, I, I can't believe this is true, but so far she's four. She's never watched a TV show or movie at home. No screens, no iPad, no phone. Wow, that's like I've got to give you a big clap for that. Wow, you have that? no screens, but we, uh, you know, we we both kind of look at each other like, should we give her a Disney movie? And they're like, well, if she's not asking for it now, let's just see how long we could go. And we've been on long airplane rides and we've never given her a screen, and we're like, let's just keep it rolling. <laughs> that's impressive stuff. That is impressive. Well, I think we got lucky and we only have one, you know, I think if you have two. It's probably a different game. Yeah. It's a game changer. It's good though. They're the best thing ever, aren't they kids? What, um, is she just play golf? She's starting to swing now and she's got a little older friend who's super into it. So yeah. if we bring her out with her friend, she's more apt to, to try and try hard. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. What's the name of your podcast again? Read it, roll it, hold it podcast. Read it, roll it, hold it. Okay, so I just want to say hi to you guys on Instagram Live. I'm on a podcast right now. Read it, hold it. Read, read it, no, roll read it, it, hold it. Read it, roll it, hold it. <laughs> you got it. Yep. And uh, Ollie, do you have an Instagram account I can send people to you? Yeah, Putting Hub. Putting Hub, Putting Hub. I'm on line with putting hub right now his name is ollie i'm on his podcast so i just figured i'd just let you guys in on it hello i see someone hello from scotland hi i've just uh, just joined it what's that i've just joined your uh that's weird you look really different on this one compared to this uh, one but uh -huh. <laughs> i've got two of you now okay um we'll we'll get back to the uh to the podcast so back early Earlier in the year, I saw on your um, Instagram that you spent the day with um, Scotty Cameron and Brad yeah. Faxon. Look, I'm a putting nerd. Brad Faxon, Scotty Cameron, like that's up there. Tell me about that experience and what everything. you've learned from these guys. Yeah, tell, tell me everything. You know. <laughs> the whole day, I want to know from start to finish. Okay, so I rolled in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say that Scotty rolled in right after us. He drives a nice car. <laughs> he does like his cars, doesn't he? I think it's he's a nice car and he likes his luxury. He carries a 
well, he probably has many, but he had a, he had a spiffy new Louis Vuitton backpack and nice watch and nice right. shoes. And the guy knows how to, he likes luxury and it's obvious in the way he's, um, he, he pays attention to his craftsmanship and the, the products that he puts out and, and the quantity of products he puts out. But that's not to say that that's what it's all about. It's all about the function and, and it working. I think that's it's just sort of a side, a side gig that it happens to be. He loves, um, you know, custom stuff. Mm-hmm. So his studio is pretty, is pretty cool. It's got, um, it's got the crafts, the craft area, you know, his workshop, which is, you know, metal and sparks and machines and, and dark and greasy. Um, and then the studio where, where you're actually putting and, and rolling a ball. So Faxon's really good. He's the real deal. I mean, I've watched him pull so many putts and just kind of casually put with, with, um, we were looking at the phantom. So the phantom series was coming out and so was the special select. So, so, um, he gave us a kind of a a real storyline behind each putter and what he had done to do, um, to get there and what he was interested in. Um, so I, I can't even remember all the stuff he said. Um, but he's so attentive to every, everything. I think the, um, and by the way, watching Brad Faxon hold shots with a mallet, a mallet. Yeah. He, that's not his putter. No, no. Not even close to his putter. He's, he has Would a, he like, good with one. any club. I bet he could just put with anything that ball. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's the surprising thing. So he, I think he had an 8.5, which is a big spaceship. Um, yeah. and he, it didn't seem to be a big deal. Now the 0.5 has a bit of, um, of, uh, uh like a little flow for yes. a mallet and so that seemed to i go i liked it i've always played a blade like mostly a 2.5 newport or you know some version of that sure. and i kind of like the 8.52 but not um uh so so what was interesting to me I, I was listening to brad and scotty talk about their relationship over the years and Brad had a, a lot of, I mean, Brad's a real thoughtful person. He's a really bright person and he is a learner, like a, a lifelong learner. And he's put a lot of work into um, just trying to learn about what makes things work. Mm. Common denominators of all great putters, including him would be the shaft returns back to neutral. Mm. I thought that was really a, kind of an interesting concept. Um, and all these variables that, that we as coaches look for with, with players, they're the same kind of variables that, that Scotty and his team look for. Um, for instance, what are, what kind of, you know, what kind of side bend does somebody tend to have and how's that going to affect their stroke? I, I mean, body angles in general, we could talk forever about body angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could talk forever about, about grip and about what someone sees and how they see it you know, mm. with, with their right eye or the left eye or when they're seeing it. And so he's just so tuned into all those details that being in the studio and, and being able to measure and you're like basically a Quintech and measuring all these, these, these factors, um, then you can kind of go, go, go work back and say, okay, you did well with this. This is what happened when you did that. And they, they it's like a, a straight MRI for your putting stroke. It's really, really cool. Brilliant. Well, that's good. The, um, go, just going 
back to Scotty. The uh, isn't his one his latest model based off a, a sports car? If I'm all right in saying that, you probably know more than I do. Isn't that right? <laughs> Well, the, the black and yellow range, I am pretty sure, is based off him going to car shows because he's a big car geek. Um, and he um, apparently liked the shape of the, the car. Um, I don't know. I think it was like a Lamborghini. But anyway, uh, yeah. I, I want to say Lamborghini, too. I think right. What car did he have? Uh, did he have a Lamborghini? Was, uh-uh, no, I think it's a Bentley. Like yeah. a blacked out. <laughs> really sweet. Did it I, look I, like his putter? Yeah, he said he calls it murdered out and he when it black it everything's black. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> Good, excellent. Well, the um the putters are just beautifully made, aren't they, Scotty Cameron? Big, big fan of them. And uh it's nice was, to have that story behind them. It's so nice. And I was just telling a friend of mine before I got on this podcast, I want to go back to the studio and I want to I have six Scotties. And I just want to go back with uh, all of them. And I want to just find out what is the one I should go with. Because I always thought I was, I was a great, I was like, oh, I can just putt with anything. Just send me, you know, send me a new putter. I'll just get a new putter and I'll be fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, friend like, hey, you want to trade? And sure, I'll just trade. But, you know, I think I'm more sensitive to the putter than I thought because some putters I can do great with and they, they look almost the same, but the weight is a little different or the shafts a little different or the grip, you know? So I, I didn't realize I'm such a, I don't know, like a princess. <laughs> I thought I was just fine with anything. So one of the things I really want to do is go back with all my putters and just solve it, figure out which is the one I should stick with. It'd be cool to have a putter fitting off the main man, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be he goes. Oh, you should use my putter. This putter. <laughs> That'd right. be pretty pretty cool. Um, Good. Okay. Um, I know you've also got a relationship with um, the uh, course management system, Arcos. Yes, Arcos. And, uh, sorry. Arcos. Yeah. Arcos. Yeah. Yeah. So, what um what I want to sort of know is from all the um students you've coached is it over 2000 students you've coached over the years you've you've put on your social oh, yeah probably more than that because in 2021 i had 358 different students so wow. in total my whole life a lot okay a lot of great people a lot of great people a lot of great people I'm, i am what lucky. i want to know then is like what from the course management point of view what is the What's the biggest things you've learned from watching amateur golfers to their biggest, yeah, biggest mistakes on the course from a strategy point of view? From a, uh, I love this topic. So from a course management point of view, I've seen so many, so many people get, get tied into, they should be doing something um, and thinking in their head, okay, now this is the time where I hit my fairway wood and I bomb it. Um, so I appreciate that sentiment that you may feel like, okay, now I have to hit, I have to hit my sandwich out of here because it's got to go up and roll. Um, but there are times where you could take kind of a more simpler route and and hit something that you know you can hit well and just get mm-hmm. down the get down the fairway, right? Or just get it on the green, 
instead of doing what you think you need to do. So I think that's that's kind of one thing. Um, that's a very basic concept. I think that's that's for most people that are sort of earlier on in the game. Now, yeah. once somebody's gotten a little a little more sophisticated and it's harder to piece together where the weaknesses are, or maybe you've got some confirmation biases or even just some general biases about what you think you're good at or what you think you're bad at. This is where a stats keeping device or just stats in general are really helpful. So I'm not an ambassador to Arcos because I, because, you know, they're just a pain me to do it. Um, by the way, no one gets really that rich with, with, uh, in the golf business when you're by, um, you know, working with golf companies, it's, it's, it's mostly because we all love the brand and we really want to be associated with this brand because we love it and we use it. And that's the case with me. Arcos is awesome. So Arcos is basically Bluetooth to your clubs. So you, you, you screw in a little device at the end of your club and it keeps track of all your shots while you're playing. So I'm a minimalist when I play, I don't like to have a golf cart. I don't like to have lots of gadgets. I don't even really like to think too much about things, which is mm. may sound funny coming from a golf instructor. Uh, I just want to swing and hit and I don't, and I want to watch the ball and find it and hit it again. And so for Arcos, which is so great, I don't have to think about anything. It's keeping all those, those stats on the, on my own. And at the end, oh my gosh, the data is incredible. Not only do you know how many times you've hit the shot, how far the shot went, but you know, if you, you've gone, um, left, right, long, short of your target, you know, your approach shots, your proximity to the hole, you know, your strokes gained on your different clubs based on a handicap, a target handicap. I know how many, obviously I know how many putts I've hit, how many greens I've hit, how many, um, because that's, those are easy stats. I'm mm. talking about the harder stuff that you might not know. Like I didn't realize that I hit my six iron so much and I don't even hit my five iron, or I didn't realize that my whatever my eight and my my nine were kind of going the same distance like I, those are things that you wouldn't even necessarily pick up unless you're really paying attention and i think arcos is some is a way that can kind of do it all for you wonderful yes great the, the um the caddy part is really uh pretty cool as well isn't it yeah i've, I've been using that too so the caddy the, the AI caddy, basically, the more you use Arcos, the more it gives you, um, uh, it gives your, it collects your information. It gives you some pretty good uh, data of how far you hit your clubs or a range. So if your seven iron is 145 to 155, um, and then you're on the golf course, it might suggest your seven iron. So that's kind of cool. So there are all kinds of, um, there are all kinds of reasons why that's, it's useful to use it because then the more you use it, the more information that you have. I think there's only one shot that it wasn't a good idea. And that's because there was a gust of wind. But other than that, um, I've shot some pretty low rounds only using the caddy. Hmm. Interesting. That's good. Okay. Uh, let's go on to some quick fire um, questions. Um, I don't know if you're, uh, you're, uh, is you still on Instagram? Any of anyone there wants to, uh, ask any questions but my first question comes from uh irene craigie and she she uh, I'm, talking, I'm talking to my to my people i'm on a podcast if anyone has a question just put them right in the comments and then i'll i'll try to loop them in oh sorry yeah bring in bring in bring them in so irene craigie's got a question for you she likes to play golf with the mates she plays 12 holes 
they um, they have a knock. They might play a 12-hole competition. They go into the clubhouse and have um, a couple of pints of beers and some scones normally. What I want to know, or what she wants to know, should I say, is how does she concentrate over the ball? Because they're in between shots. They're having a chat, lots of nitter natter. And then she finds it hard to get to a ball and concentrate over that ball to hit the shot without still carrying on talking about what they were talking about. <laughs> so so what's, really- what's the tip? What's the advice you can give them to, to switch off from chat to then focus on their shot for 20 seconds to then get back to the chat? Oh yeah. So she's trying to, she's trying to get serious. I, I'm all for having fun with your mates when you're playing. Um, but I'm in it. I'm in it for the, I'm in it for the game. So I think putting something on the line is a great thing to do. And it, it doesn't have to be money, but it could be something like someone's got to clean my clubs. I mean, I, I played with a, a colleague. There was this terrible visor that was in the shop. It was red sequins. The whole thing was red sequins. And so we were playing for whoever lost had to wear the visor teaching the next day. I mean, that was enough. That's enough. (laughs) That stopped the uh, the chat. (laughs) Yeah, and I think I don't know if someone's not competitive and they don't care that much, then that's okay. You don't have to care. You don't even have to keep score. But at the end of the day, if the score does matter to you, you have to figure a way to crank it. And I think that cranking it happens when you set your bag down next to your ball. And you start, you have to start thinking about what you're going to do because you wouldn't, you wouldn't get onto a diving board and start talking to your friends as you're jumping and you're like, okay, oh yeah, that was a great idea. And then do a flip. No, you, you kind of have to get composed or else you're going to get hurt. Um, what tips have you got to get composed? Uh, I, I Singular focus, you know, ask, okay, ask, okay. talk to me. Maybe she's got one or two questions, like a list of questions that you can ask. Like, okay, what do you want this ball to do? And then, and then work backwards from there. If you want your ball to do that, then what, what, what does the lie look like? What are we able to do out of this lie? And then what club options do we have? And then after that, okay, then, then you make a couple moves to get yourself ready, whether that's called a practice swing or a little like a, a little movement to get the, get the right feeling, you know, you got to conjure up what it is you're supposed to do. Cause by the way, this is a physical game. And then, and then, and then I like Lynn and Pia, Lynn and Pia from vision 54 had a great process where they, they call it um, think box play box. I, I call it backstage and on stage, you know, you're backstage about to give a presentation. You can read those notes, but when you're on stage, you better be present. And you're not going to sit there and read the notes because that's the most boring presentation ever. You've got to, it's got to come from you. So if you're backstage, you can think about all the stuff we're doing, read your notes. And then when you're on stage, you just got to pull the trigger. And let it go. Love it. Love it. Um, oh, I've got sort of question. I've got a question. I better read it before I read it. Um, oh, this is for, uh, this is from Charlie uh, Sanderson Woods, who's a professional in London. Any tips for presentation on camera and in general? Yeah, tons. 
<laughs> he's given me one as well. My my camera angle's in the right angle now, <laughs> rather than yes. looking at my nose. So the so the question was: Do we have any tips on um, looking professional on camera? And now, is this for um, is is he is he coaching? Is this he's for a coach? Yeah, making videos. He's a coach. I think lighting is good and sound is good. I probably start with sound. Sound is number one. Got to get really good sound. Got to figure yeah. out what you need to do. Whether you need a wireless mic or you need to. Uh, Put, put, I mean, I think some of the ear pods had some recording capabilities, but that's, I'd say number one is the sound. Mm -hmm. And then, and then in terms of just the, the presentation, I found that uh, get one message and hammer that one message and make your message really clear. So the message is, um, the message is, I, I don't know, um, let's say you're, Cutting start line. What's that? Cutting start line. You're, so, uh, what good drill to help increase swing speed? I saw that just like so. Uh, putting. Let's say you said um, keeping your keeping your base angles. Yeah, Not having the ability to start the ball online. Starting the ball online. There you go. Starting the ball online. Okay, so if that's your topic. Then don't get distracted with anything other than starting the ball online. So, okay, how do you start your ball online? Well come up with that and then pick maybe one out of the five things that you, that you want to say and mm -hmm. say, look, there are lots of ways to start the ball online and I'll go into them in other videos. But in this one, I want you to make sure you get this done because if from a motor skill perspective, if you've got, I call it, if you, if you're chasing two rabbits, your brain is thinking of two things, you're going to catch neither. You're not going to be able to really absorb either one, or you're not going to know whether you've done it or not. Sometimes you can have two thoughts. I mean, sometimes you can do it. Sometimes you can work them in order. Like, all right, my posture is good. Okay, I'm going to make a full backswing and then I'm going to feel like my hips initiate. Like, okay, so you can do those three things. But generally, if you're trying to learn something or do something differently, uh, you need you need like a blank slate and then one thing. You have a plan, you do it. You think about how well you executed that plan if you did well, great. If you did not do well, you do it again. Brilliant. That's uh, that's good. Hopefully that'll help Charlie. Um, he's got another good question here as well. Uh, and you've got a question about swing speed for putting. Yeah. Okay. So the I... question is from Charlie. Mm -hmm. um, how has she found being a female and conquering a male dominant sport? Really, that's such a compliment. You said conquering because I don't know that. I've conquered anything, uh, but I, I appreciate it. that's a that's a big compliment. Um, how does it feel to be a female? Um, it just is what it is. I, I think I, in the beginning, I always thought, well, it would have been really nice to have a female mentor when I was little. You know, a, a female teacher would have been great. Um, and I didn't have any of that. I think that was a motivating element to me wanting to be a teacher because I wanted to be someone that I never had. Uh, do I think that I have a lot of different things to offer as a female? I, I, not necessarily. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like I, I'm pretty similar to what the rest the rest of the guys do. I always wanted to be a good teacher first. That happened to be female. I didn't want to be. Oh, she's a great female. She's a great female teacher. Yeah. I wanted to be a great teacher. I happen to be female. Um, I will say I do. I do get nervous still when I walk into rooms and they're all men. I, I, um, I get a little anxious, before, you know, when I'm getting ready, I get a little anxious when I show up, I get a little, um, that gets a little, 
it's it's kind of scary, even though I might know everybody. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you guys would feel the same way if you walk into a room, it's all women. Uh, and you're like, okay, I'm the dude. I'm Jesus, the dude. Yeah. I'm the dude. <laughs> so I don't know. Cool. Thank you. That's good. Uh, what was uh, what were your uh, your your live on Instagram? What's the what's the verdict? I have a tendency to pull putts. What do you recommend to remedy that, Ollie, Mister Putting Guy? I'd love to hear what you have to say. I I, I have a few things. Another one was which teacher in, or instructors do you admire the most? Um, that's I'll, go for the, I'll go for the putting one. Yeah, I think your your listener needs to, if they're right-handed, then if the club face is closed, the ball will go left. So it's it's missing left. So I'd try to figure out where that club face is closing. So is it closed at address? Mm-hmm. Is it closing in the backswing or is it closing in the downswing? And then maybe from there, start to look at posture and body parts. Yeah. So what body part is causing that club to move in that way? So I love that. I love that answer. I wouldn't have answered that way. I love that. So your answer of how to, if someone's pulling pots is you're basically saying it's the, the concept of pulling it may not be you actually swing direction left. It's probably more apt to be the face because the face has way more influence of the ball. Is that what you're saying? 95%. So yeah. yeah. You're saying, you're saying time out. Let's even, let's even re, restructure that concept in, into realizing that it's your face and where in the, in the stroke is that face shutting down? I think that's great. And if you're not find having any luck during the stroke where the face is, then let's look at what your body angles are doing and what, what's happening in your body, which may be influencing that pull. Was there another question there you wanted to answer? Oh, ask? Yeah, I guess. Hi, everybody on my Instagram live. I'm on a podcast, as you can probably see. How do you develop your pre-shot routine? I love all these questions. And then another one is what teachers, instructors do you admire the most? So I'll, I'll answer both of those. Teachers and instructors I admire the most. I, I admire so many and I listen to so many and I have so many questions. And even those that I may not teach the same way or might have different disagreements with, I still think that there is a huge value to having all these different voices. So there's a... Um, I mean, I love John Jacobs and his practical golf. That's, I would say, a classic. I love, I really love Jim McLean. Having spent so much time with him personally, um, you know, he just, he knows how to get it done with average people and with pros. Dr. Neil, Rob Neil is a biomechanist who not many people have heard of. And he's probably most likely my most, um, the, like the highest that uh, he has influenced me the most when it comes to mechanics of the swing. Really and cool. I, Just sorry, button in. He was the guest of the show last week. Fantastic. So, yeah, he's fantastic. On. He's a great friend. Um, his wife mind. is a great friend. He's a, he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant operator and a scientist. And uh, I admire him tremendously without him. I, I think I would not be as good as a teacher. That's for sure. Um, but anyway, there's a lot out there that I think are that I think are great. And and in terms of speed, um, I like the super speed sticks. I know Sasha McKenzie's been doing some cool stuff with stack system. The speed sticks, super speed sticks, are really easy and they're easy easy to get, easy to do. You just the hard part is actually doing the work. You have to do the freaking work. Um, 
so they're, if they're sitting in your bag, you're not going to get the work done, but I, I'm big, I'm big into the super speed sticks. And the deal is with, with speed is you just have to do it. You have to push yourself past your comfort zone and you've got to do it enough in a way that's going to be built time after time. In other words, three times a week, six to eight weeks, and you've got to do all three. So speed is possible, but you just have to put the work in like anything. Real interesting one, the speed, isn't it? I am um, uh, one of uh, my clients was swinging his driver the other day at 86, 87 mile an hour. And just we started to focus on that number. Yeah. And I just sort of out of the blue said, Right, you're not going home until we get that over 100. And he's like, 100? <laughs> Did he? he? 10 minutes later, he got to 101. Are you kidding? And the ball wasn't necessarily any going any further or any straighter but it was like he's quite a beginner golfer um yeah. you know but it was just interesting that he had that in the locker but he was trying to control yeah. it trying to swing within himself and you know he's an athletic young guy and 100 mile an hour is more than achievable. your point i mean i don't know if my listener my listeners has heard that um Ollie just had a student who went from 85 to 101 in one lesson um and but he, he said he didn't quite you know, it's not like he hit it straighter or, or even farther, but he had the speed in him. And I think that's oh, an he interesting... did it further. When he got hold of it, it went from like 200 to 250, yeah. Okay, well, okay. So he was, st- so he still managed to find the center of the face. And I think there's, there is value to figuring out what the move needs to do before you just go balls to the wall and as fast as you possibly can. Um, but it's a balance, right? So if you're, if you're going to get injured by swinging fast, okay, you have to get stronger. You're not just going to sit there and wildly swing away and hurt yourself. But at the same time, if you never push yourself out of your comfort zone, how are you ever going to swing faster? So you see where that there's that challenge point where you've got to find. And I think, um, I think at least if you've been trying to slow it down to figure out what the move is, you've been trying to slow it down because your coach is telling you something and you can't th- think about two things at once. Um, speed it back up. Eventually you got to speed that puppy back up. Absolutely. I've got to mention that is Simon Tofts, who was uh, the student of the month last month. So I don't want to not mention him because, uh, you know, he is uh, he's come down from 35 handicap to 21 this year. 35 to 21. Woohoo! Good job, Simon. <laughs> it works hard. OK, Trillium, I'm uh, conscious of your time. Look, really enjoyed that. That's been, you know, good fun. We've, uh, we've sort of interacted with your uh your Instagram live as we went through it. And uh, I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure my um, listeners would have got some good nuggets from that. So really appreciate your time and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's great to hear your energy and your enthusiasm. And, uh, you know, I feel blessed to, to have spoken to you and to, to, to learn from you. So please continue being good at you. Thanks, Ollie. And I hope we cross paths too, because I'd love to check out your program and your putting studio and hear more about what you're doing. Awesome. That'll, uh, we'll definitely do that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye everybody.